Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference and encourage people to help others that are being abused. Tatiana Tibes was a girl from Los Angeles. She was only six years old when her father began to put her through something no child should ever have to live through. He would sexually abuse her when her mother was away. But it didn't just stop there. For several years, he drugged and assaulted his little girl regularly, even causing her to become pregnant on four separate occasions. Today, we are sharing her story and the roller coaster that she's had to endure since she was six years old. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And we want to thank you for tuning in. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm good. Good. I just had a couple of cookies, so I'm ready to go. Did you make those? I did. Me and my kiddos yesterday. They're good. Thank you. Yeah, I just got done working on the car, so I'm really sweaty, but uh, I feel good. I flushed my heater core (laughs) and replaced all my spark plugs. I've gotten this new rush of inspiration to work on my car since I changed my brakes on Monday, so I've actually been having a lot of fun working on it. Great. (laughs) Anyway, should we get started? I would say so. First, we want to shout out to Tyler, because he's the one that we called T in episode 75, and he has given us his okay. So thank you, Tyler, for your passion to protect the innocent children that we're talking about. And yes, Rosie will be your nanny. (laughs) Yeah, especially if that means we can move to Oregon. (laughs) (laughs) So this case we're talking about tonight was a wreck from Rosie's brother, Sam. So thanks, Sam. credit to him. I just felt so special that my little brother actually took the time to listen to my podcast. Oh, burrito's playing with your mic cord. Get out of here! <laughs> so, anyway, thank you for bringing this case to our attention. It was actually on Dr. Phil, so... So Sam was watching Dr. Phil. That's what this means. Yeah, well... Love it. It was a Instagram post of Dr. Phil, you know, a little oh, yeah. bit more Gen Z. But anyway, tonight we're talking about Tatiana and Lindolfo Tibes. And so our source for this story is mostly Dr. Phil and the LA Times, as well as a couple court documents. But understandably, the family's keeping a lot of personal information private. So we weren't able to find like small details like birthdays or the name of Tatiana's mother. But we're going to do the best we can with what we found to share her story in a comprehensive way. So, Rosie, do you want to jump into it? Yes. So, Tatiana Tibes was the daughter of Lindolfo Tibes. As we just mentioned, we don't know the exact date when she was born or what her mother's name is, but based on what we could find, it looks like she was born in 1980. So, just be aware, because there isn't a lot of personal information available for Tatiana, this will be pretty awful from the get-go so listener discretion advised we're about to jump right into some dark stuff when tatiana was just six years old her father began to abuse her it started with him touching her he would touch her butt then he started touching her in the front as well this led to him forcing oral sex on her again she's only six years old here so you can imagine the impact this is having on her It's terrible to think about, to see in your mind. While she was still six, he started forcing her to perform oral sex on him. When she was seven, it got even worse. That's when he started penetrating her, forcefully raping her, both vaginally and anally. And this happened, from her recollection, from two to three times a week. 
Tatiana's mother was living with them at the time, but she worked overnight as a babysitter for another family, leaving Tatiana at home with her father pretty much every night. And you'd think she'd be able to trust the father of her child to take care of her while she was at work. You know, that's usually a given. Mm -hmm. And that he'd be a safe person to leave her with, but she had no idea what kind of monster she was living with. Between age 7 and 8, this monster started forcing his daughter to take substances that were illegal for her to make his experience easier. He forced her to drink alcohol and take marijuana. So he's trying to make her easier to assault, but it didn't stop there. On multiple occasions around his same age, <clears throat> excuse me, around this same age, he even forced her to use powder cocaine. <sighs> so not only is he giving her booze, and pot, way too young, but now he's giving her one of the most addictive and potentially harmful substances on earth. And she's only seven or eight at this time? It's insane. Yeah, what a great father. This abuse continued for many years, and when Tatiana was 12 years old, he started forcing her to stay home, causing her to miss school. And at this time, he set up surveillance cameras around the house and even convinced her that there were motion sensors under her bed and on her floor to keep her from escaping the house. So she literally became his prisoner after she got taken out of school. School officials actually came looking for her, trying to figure out why she wasn't attending class and to see if she was okay. Lindolfo was also a regular user of the drugs he gave his daughter, so... He was jacked up pretty often, and in his paranoia, he actually took Tatiana and fled to New York when the school officials were looking for her, and then ended up fleeing to Miami as well. When she was either 14 or 15, he introduced methamphetamines to into the mix. Both he and his daughter began using it. I'm just wondering, what the heck does this guy do to make money? Like, how does he have time for all of this stuff and time to make money? Maybe like, he's a drug... What's that word? Dealer? Yeah. Yeah, Thank that's kind of what I was thinking, too. I mean, the information's not public, but that's a possibility. And again, it's just speculation. And I know dealers, they don't typically use their own product, but... Because of this, Breaking Bad. <laughs> Well, you can't run a business well if you're always true. No, that's true. using drugs. So, mm -hmm. But this isn't a typical guy. So, Over the next several years, Lindolfo continued to rape and assault his daughter on a regular basis. And it never slowed down. Once the meth was introduced, it happened on a nearly daily basis. Sometimes it would be up to four times in one day. And as she got older, he started to worry that she was going to tell somebody about what he was doing to her. So that's when the threat started. He told Tatiana that if she told anyone about what he was doing to her, he would hurt her. He first threatened to cut off her fingers. Then he threatened to attack her eyes and blind her. He even threatened that he would kill her if she tried to tell someone about what he was doing. Your so father... A father telling their daughter this. Can you imagine? No. And so he's clearly just narcissistic and kind of a psycho, but he didn't just stop at these threats. No, Lindolfo started to physically attack his little girl. On a regular basis, he would beat her with blunt objects. Sometimes it was a wooden karate stick. Other times he would use a baseball bat. He literally... He was using physical assaults to drive fear into his daughter of what he would do to her if she told on him. And it worked at the time. Like, if he was already assaulting her, how much worse would it get if she actually told? On one occasion, he beat her feet so bad that she was temporarily disabled and unable to walk. I remember when she was talking about that on Dr. Phil. Yeah. Like, out of nowhere. She just, like... Woke up and he was doing that. Yeah, and he most likely never got her any kind of medical treatment after causing her these injuries. No. He would target her feet often, but they became really damaged and sore. She begged him to leave her alone, but instead of stopping, he just moved up and struck her knees and elbows instead. So this led to Tatiana um, living in a constant state of fear. Fear of the unknown 
worrying about what would happen if she tried to get away. On two separate occasions, her father asked her to lure in strangers to have sex with her. Then he made her bring them into the house and have sex in front of him so he could watch. What the heck? I mean, what kind of father does this? But at the same time, this really makes you appreciate protective fathers. I mean, not overly protective out of jealousy, but a loving protection, you know? Mm -hmm. Even though protective fathers can feel annoying or restrictive, it sure seems like a step above this. Oh, you know? yeah. But this psycho just actually wanted total randos to have sex with his teenage daughter. And what kind of dudes do you think they were? I mean, if they were willing to have sex with a teenage girl in front of her father, they probably weren't tested for any STDs or anything. So it's just so little care for his little girl's well-being. Tatiana was starting to wear down from the effects of this horrible situation. She started to consider taking her own life, feeling like there was nothing left to live for, because the life she knew was just so miserable. But then something happened that she says saved her life, as messed up and disgusting as it is. She became pregnant with her father's child. When she was 17 years old, she gave birth to her first child. And when they asked who the father was, she just told the doctors that she didn't know. Four years later, she gave birth to her second child at age 21, then a third child at age 24. She became pregnant again, but she was forced to have an abortion. I mean, ugh, this is terrifying, and... I want to mention again, I say that it saved her life because that's what she told Dr. Phil, and it's just such a messed up concept to wrap your mind around because it's literally the result of her father raping her. But she said that if it weren't for her children, she would have probably given up. And we got to remember, it's not the kid's fault the way they were conceived. They're still her children, and Mm -hmm. they still mean a lot to her. So it's just... it's hard to understand that situation and right it's hard to wrap your head around it yeah during one of her pregnancies her monster of a father made her sit in a chair and he tied her arms behind her then put a bag over her head and suffocated her until she passed out thankfully she awoke from this but she felt like she had died and come back Uh, this reminds me of the Alyssa turney story right This is one of the things that a Mm -hmm. witness had talked about. Um, Michael had admitted that he did this to Alyssa, but it's just terrible. I almost wonder if this was out of rage because he probably didn't want any of these kids. Because this was during her pregnancy, (laughs) you know. And I also wonder if the mom was still around at this time. Because she obviously would notice that her daughter was pregnant. Um I wonder if Lindolfo forced Tatiana to tell her mother that they were all the children of her boyfriend or one-night stands or something. Again, it's just speculation, but Tatiana told Dr. Phil that her mother never knew what was going on. How? How could you not? Well, (sighs) her mother, as we'll talk about later, worked nights and left her daughter home alone with this monster, so he had plenty of time to do it and hide it. It's just... Hard. (laughs) That's why it's so scary, because he was able to hide it. But um, if you're listening to us for the first time and you're not familiar with the tactics of abuse captors, uh, abusive captors, you may be wondering why she never tried to escape. But she was so traumatized by his physical and psychological abuse, and she had been abused since the age of six. This is literally all she knew. Like... She lived under this monster's captivity for 19 years, and Mm -hmm. no one had ever come to save her. And also, this was her own father. So in her mind, she probably had no idea where she could even go. It's just terrifying, and not something any of us can truly understand unless we've been there. And because she was the abuse started at such a young age, I'm sure she made up answers in her head for why these things were happening to her. Yeah, like... Trying to make it as normal as possible. Yeah, just to be able to cope. Right. And, yeah, this 
I mean, she probably just accepted this is the way it was, mm-hmm. and she she was thinking about taking her own life, but then she had her kids, so, you know, uh, it it was a miserable existence for her. So one day in 2005, when Tatiana was 25 years old, Landolfo was high on meth. He had gone a few days with no sleep or food, and he was extremely paranoid about his daughter. He thought Tatiana was trying to kill him. And after all the crap that he's put her through, I think he'd be paranoid even if he wasn't all jacked up on meth, you know? Because there's so much he's hiding. Also on Dr. Phil, Tatiana also mentioned they were in a hotel room with the three kids and five Rottweilers. So I'm not sure what she was talking about, but I'm kind of speculating that maybe he was on a meth bender and trying to hide all this from Tatiana's mother. And the dogs were for security, but that's just speculation based on her comments, and I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, there could be a lot of different scenarios here. In his paranoia, he started freaking out because he thought that Tatiana was sticking a needle in his lung. What? And he actually grabbed a knife from the kitchen. Confused, she tried to reason with him that if he was really feeling like he was going to die... They should just go to the hospital and get him taken care of. You'd think he'd be paranoid about that as well, going to hospitals, because he was full of meth, and he would probably get busted for that if he got treated, but apparently he didn't think of that because he decided to go. Right. They left the three kids behind, got in the car, and he drove them to the hospital. But when they got there, he just kept circling around. Tatiana got more and more terrified of him, and she decided she was going to jump out of the car and try to get away from him. But unfortunately, she didn't jump out fast enough. As she started to get out, he pulled out the knife and stabbed her in the chest twice. The man that's supposed to be her father. And this was a 10-inch blade, not a little steak knife. But she fought through the pain and made her way out of the car and ran away from him as fast as she could, never looking back. Lindolfo ran after her, but Tatiana made it into the hospital before he could catch her, and they were able to get her treated for her stab wounds. She was suffering from a collapsed lung and internal bleeding. The wounds were so deep that they had almost punctured her pericardium. Thank you. (laughs) Which is the sac-like muscle tissue that surrounds the heart. So this freak wasn't just trying to slow her down. He was really trying to kill her probably trying to erase the memory of the monster he had been to her before she could tell anyone about it. I can't believe that she could run <laughs> with I know. that kind of wound. Tatiana was overcome with fear of the unknown. She didn't want to make Lindolfo any more angry than he was. So she told the doctors that her boyfriend had done this to her. Yeah, because she didn't want her children to be taken away from her. But... Um, fortunately, when she woke up from the surgery, she was able to tell them the truth about her children, so Hmm. they found out. She told the doctors that her father had raped her, and the three children were by him. She let them know that she did not want to go back to him, but she wanted her children to be safe. They told her that he was in police custody, and Tatiana felt a sense of relief that she hadn't felt in decades. She... She honestly believed deep down that she would never find relief from the grasp of this monster, and it had been such a long time that she was abused and tortured by him. The detective working on the case, Richard Carr, obtained DNA samples from Tatiana and her children, and was able to verify that she was telling the truth about her children's paternity. She had been sexually abused and psychologically tortured by this monster for almost two decades. Her fear of the unknown and the desire to protect her children kept her from running away, but she finally found the strength to escape. Tatiana refers to that day as her born-again day because she almost died while she escaped from her captor. But when she finally did escape, she was free from his grasp. Yeah, when Tatiana was on the Dr. Phil show, she saw the footage of her father being arrested and walking to the police car for the first time. Because she wasn't there when it happened, and she was completely overcome with emotion. 
It was so impactful to see her face and the mix of relief and pain on her face. Like, she didn't really know how to feel because she was glad to see him shackled, but at the same time, it was her father. Mm -hmm. And she was still in disbelief that he could ever do something like this to his own daughter. And that she would have a father that would do that to her, you know? Her real feeling was wishing that he hadn't done any of this to his own daughter and that they could have just had a normal relationship. And it's so heartbreaking to see her not really knowing how to feel and just wishing he was a good father, you know? Shortly after this, she told Dr. Phil that if it wasn't for her children, she probably would have ended her life a long time ago. And she also mentioned that one of her daughters told her that Lindolfo had abused her as well around age seven. Dr. Phil asked her if she was glad she survived, and she replied, I'm super glad I survived, but I have a whole lot of more surviving to do. And you can just see that she's still in so much pain and overcome by confusion and hurt over the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Even when Dr. Phil asked how she'd feel if he told her that some things were going to happen that day that would change her life, because he didn't clarify what kind of things they were, she could she still couldn't help um, wonder if they were good or bad things, you know? it's I'd encourage you to go watch her um, episode of Dr. Phil. It just shows how much these things can change you and your outlook on life and just your ability to enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really, she really had a struggle over this. Yeah, I mean, she was kind of monotone for her whole interview with Dr. Phil. You mm-hmm. could tell how much she was struggling. I think she was having a really hard time being there in general, which, why wouldn't you have a hard time Yeah, with that kind of story? Very understandable. So, at the time of filming on Dr. Phil, she said that she was broken and confused, and she didn't know if she could live a normal life. Yeah, so after she told the police, Lindolfo was arrested and charged with five counts of forcible sodomy, five counts of forcible oral copulation, and five acts of forcible rape, as well as inflicting great bodily injury on the victim. Five? That's it? Five counts each? I, I don't know how they they narrowed it down to five I guess because of the three children plus two. I don't know. Hmm. Four years after the arrest, in 2009, the trial took place. Lindolfo represented himself during the trial and made many accusatory statements toward his daughter during her testimony, accusing her of lying. Can you imagine having to sit on the witness stand and be questioned by your abuser? That's just freaking ridiculous, and I can't believe she was allowed to do that. Right. I can't either. That would be so damaging to be subjected to verbal insults from the man who was supposed to be your father, but instead imprisoned you and raped you for two decades. During a statement to the judge, Lindolfo said that he was in kangaroo court and that the shadows were out to get him. What the heck is kangaroo court? I don't know. I I didn't even look it up, but it sounds like he's just trying to come across as insane. Just shut up, dude. Lindolfo was found guilty on all those counts and sentenced to 109 years in prison. So yeah, he's probably not getting out alive. But Tatiana was required to testify against her father, and this trial took a really heavy toll on her. 29-year-old Tatiana cried and hugged her younger brother as her father was taken away. And she even said that she wants him to die behind bars. But good for her. I'm glad she's not sad that he's yeah. in prison. Yeah, she's obviously conflicted, but she knows what needs to happen. And how could you blame her for saying this? He raped and tortured her for almost 20 years. And he tried to murder her. That's just... Way over the line. Detective Rick Carr, who we mentioned before, actually said, Talking with Lindolfo was like looking at the devil. He's probably the sickest suspect I have ever had. This poor woman endured some unbelievable torture and horrendous acts. 
After making her escape from this monster, Tatiana tried her best to live a normal life with her daughters. Like we mentioned before, to her, they were what gave her life meaning and purpose. But it wasn't easy for her to move on. Yeah, like we talked about in our coverage of Jamie Kloss, these traumatic events caused lifelong issues. After her father's arrest, she started dating someone who became a serious boyfriend. They ended up moving into a house together in Victorville, California. Which is about an hour and a half northeast of Los Angeles. They lived with her three daughters, and they even had a son together. She was doing a great job for her situation and making sure that the kids were doing well in school. Yeah, it's, it's really cute. When visitors came over to the house, the kids would show off their schoolwork and report cards, so they seemed to be doing really well. Tatiana was determined to give her kids the best childhood she could. But on the day that Tatiana took her oldest daughter to school for the first day of sixth grade, she started having flashbacks of the horrors of her own childhood. Remember that fifth grade was the last grade she'd ever completed in school. So sixth grade was an experience she never had. And bringing her daughter to start sixth grade really seemed to make that sink in with her and what happened to her at that age, you know. Her tortured feelings led her to pulling away from her children a bit. She admits that she began to act more like a wild teenager rather than an adult. And she never really got that chance to be a wild teenager like most of us do. She went from being a six-year-old to a rape victim overnight, and then a captive in her own house. And then from there, she became a mother. No time for herself to grow Mm -hmm. like regular people do. She was becoming overwhelmed by the horrible feelings of her past, and she felt like talking about it in therapy was doing more harm than good, because it made her feel worse. At the time, she felt that not talking about it was the only way to protect her sanity. She said, I didn't want to face my worst fears, and that was getting counseling and confronting my abuse. And I can't blame her for this. Therapy is not an easy process. Working through something like this has got to be so difficult and painful. And unfortunately, things need to get worse before they can get better. Not that I really understand her pain in any way, but I can definitely see why she would want to give up on therapy when it's making her feel this way, even though that's part of the process. Right. Tatiana started turning to alcohol to cope with her pain. She had been given alcohol and drugs her whole life. Her father made her use it to make her more pliable. Yeah, I mean, people that get addicted to drugs and become drug addicts, they typically start... As Aaron and Justin pointed out in their War on Drugs episode, Mm. drug addictions typically start with someone that's been through incredible trauma trying to mask that pain, you know. And this is what she was taught from a young age. She was accustomed to this being used to mask her pain. And so she used it again to help herself become numb toward the emotional pain of what her father did to her. Eighteen months after her father was arrested, she hit a really dark time. She ended up crashing her car while driving drunk. Two of the passengers in her car were injured and hospitalized for a while. This led to her being placed on probation. After that, she seemed to be getting back on track. She continued living with her boyfriend. She was making sure the kids were being taken care of and getting to school and keeping up with their homework. Again, it's worth mentioning that her three daughters were also in a terribly abusive situation in their childhood, so this couldn't have been easy for her to get them to do well in school. But in 2009, she had to relive her trauma again in public during the trial of her father. Uh, And since she had dropped out of therapy, she hadn't learned how to deal with with talking about her trauma, and as we already discussed... He grilled her and, you know, Mm -hmm. called her a liar. And it had to be so, so, just feel like such an attack on her. And and she hadn't developed that set of tools that you learn in therapy. And why was it okay for a victim to be interrogated? I still don't. By her abuser. Yeah, that's... I don't know why the lawyers or the, you know, the legal advisors would let her do that, but... 
Well, because of all this, she was becoming obviously overwhelmed, and during the trial, she broke up with her boyfriend. This which is, sucks. They yeah, seemed like her they boyfriend were really well. that was really solid, it sounded like. But this is so sad. She was unfairly subjected to more verbal abuse from her abuser during what's supposed to be a controlled and civil trial. And she was allowed to be further traumatized by this psycho and then expected to go back to normal. Like, you can't just do that. She started dating another man named Adam Ortiz from the Tuwanga area. Is that how you say that? I think it's Tujunga, but I don't know. Well, it was back I'm in sure the city. I'm sure people will correct us. Okay. <laughs> back in the city of L.A. in the northern suburbs. She ended up having a fifth child with him. But this was not a good move for her. Adam was a bit of a bad boy. A bit? <laughs> he was a member of a gang and had been involved in a lot of illegal activity. He had been a convicted felon in the past. Shortly after they started dating, he was arrested and sent to prison because he was a felon in possession of a gun. But he got out in the spring of 2010, and three months later in June, he started committing organized crime. He intimidated Tatiana into helping them. She was given the job of knocking on doors to see if anyone was home. If nobody answered, his gang would target that house. That's terrifying. Yeah. So she got herself into a pretty terrible situation with this guy. Tatiana was instructed to knock on the doors in the neighborhood and ask if someone, and if someone answered, she would say, I'm here for an appointment with Sue. Is Sue here? When no one answered, Adam and two other men got out of their minivan and broke into the house. After using this process for a while, someone in the neighborhood noticed and police were tipped off. Police responded and saw Tatiana speed off with a group of men in the minivan. So she was their getaway driver as well. She was driving recklessly, running stop signs and speeding, and she eventually crashed the van. Yeah, so she already had that DUI, and now this is another instance of reckless driving and a crash. And so she was living a dangerous life, because she had run away from her problems and gotten trapped in another abusive relationship. And I don't mean to speculate so much here, but I almost wonder if she crashed on purpose because she saw this as a way out of the relationship with Adam that because is... she knew she was being followed by the police. And That's an interesting thought. It, it's a possibility, again, just speculation. Tatiana was arrested and jailed. Her children were removed from her care. At 33 years old, eight years after her rescue from her abusive father, she appeared in the same courtroom where her father was tried. <sighs> that alone must have stirred up a lot of unpleasant memories for her. Her attorney asked for leniency because of the situation she had come from, and that she was threatened and used by another abusive man. She told them that Adam was violent and controlling, and that she feared saying no to him, and she was very, very remorseful. He asked that she be sent to a rehab center where she could live with her five children who ranged from 2 to 16 years old. Yeah, so this this is a nice request, you know, for someone that's committed crimes but had such a terrible upbringing. But there was a problem with this request. There, there was a state law which required anyone who commits a serious crime during probation to be sentenced to prison. And she was just one week away from the end of her drunk driving probation when she was arrested again. Mm. So this law applied to her, which means that technically she should be, she's supposed to be sentenced to prison. The prosecution in her case said... We want to give her a chance, but she's in her early 30s. When will she stand up and take responsibility? But they did say that his office was willing to consider allowing Tatiana to go to rehab if she was legally eligible. On top of all this, she was also flagged for possible deportation. It turns out that her parents brought her from Brazil to the U.S. legally the same year the abuse started. This was so much. She had received a letter from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services denying her request for permanent res residency because of her burglary conviction. 
So things were not looking promising for her. But thankfully, someone had some compassion for her. There was a nonprofit law firm called Public Counsel who fight for the interests of the public, which sounds really awesome. Good for you guys. But Public Counsel appealed this decision, arguing that Tatiana had no choice in her parents' decision to bring her to the U.S., mm-hmm. which is completely true. true. <laughs> and also brought up the fear of her father's family back in Brazil because of her testimony against him. She was afraid they might want to retaliate against her if she returned to Brazil. Hmm. Thankfully, things took a turn and the appeal was granted and she became a permanent resident. But this still didn't answer the question of her future. She could still end up in prison. As she sat in jail, she had a lot of time to think. And she said that having time to reflect on everything helped her realize that she does need therapy. The three men were each sentenced to 12 years in prison. As she awaited her sentencing, she worked in the booking area of the women's jail in Linwood, helping the deputies get inmates admitted. She kept in contact with her children, regularly talking on the phone. Her five-year-old son was anxious about starting kindergarten, and she had to help him calm down from the jail over the phone. Mm. The kids kept asking her when she would be coming home, And at first, she was telling them that it would be soon. But she began to lose hope and started telling them that she didn't know. Just imagine how hard that was on the kids. Thankfully, the legal system was able to show some humanity and leniency for the former abuse victim and mother of five. And so she was able to be sentenced to rehabilitation. Mm, Good. Later, she decided to share her story to help raise awareness and encourage other people suffering from sexual abuse. Yeah, so as we talked about, she was on Dr. Phil, which aired in February of 2019, and he got the sense from her that she still felt like she was damaged goods. And he tried to help her realize that if she continues to feel that way, her abuser still has some control over her. And he mentioned the importance of finding meaning in your life, even after living through something like this. He told her that she is having an impact and saving thousands of women's lives by sharing her story, but that she couldn't share what she didn't have because she was still feeling broken with low self-esteem. So Dr. Phil set up a program of therapy for her. Yeah, but... She's such a great example of how difficult it is to find meaning and joy in life after something like this happens, you know? But we can never give up on people like this. As long as they haven't given up on themselves, we can't give up on them. And she is sharing her story. She made a huge difference to me personally. And I know her story will resonate with you listeners as well. So really appreciate her um, being willing to let her story out there. So I just want to talk about a little Reddit discussion that I found. Someone posted on Reddit about a certain question Dr. Phil asked Tatiana, and I just wanted to share it, then discuss it with you, Rosie. The title of the post is a question that bothers me. So do you want to read that post? Yes. In a recent episode of Dr. Phil, something that he asked bothered me to no end it was the episode about the Tatiana girl that was a victim of incest by her, by her father. Dr. Phil asked, "As perverse as this sounds, and I have to ask, and I have to ask this because I want everything on the table because I want to help you. Were there times where you convinced yourself that you enjoyed this in any way? Were there times where you found pleasure in a given instance that you felt?" Yeah. So, um, this person really took an issue with this question, but let's read some responses to it before we discuss it. So, someone responded, My sense about it was that Dr. Phil knows Oprah has said that she felt guilty about being abused because her body responded to it. I thought Dr. Phil was pointing out that even if that was the case, it was in zero way her fault. I have my beefs with Dr. Phil, but I am giving him the benefit of the doubt on this one. 
So this person seems like a reasonable response. Like, they're not a huge Dr. Phil fan, but, you know, they understand where he's coming from here, that what he was really trying to say is that it wasn't her fault, Mm -hmm. no matter how her body responded to it. And I think it's important to be able to talk openly like this. So, Rosie, will you read this other response? Yes, it says, I think he asks that to set up in her mind that she is still a victim, even if she feels inside that she enjoyed it in any way or participated. And to clarify, they mean still a victim at the time that it happened, not that she will always be a victim. And, you know, because. Wait, sorry. No, you're just reading that. Okay. These kinds of abuse cases are not black and white, i.e. daughter hates and is disgusted by her father because she was violently raped by him. It is the opposite, actually. She loved her father. She wanted his attention, and he groomed her lovingly. It is a layered and emotionally complicated issue, and establishing that fact while still reinforcing her victimhood can make a huge difference to someone emotionally. So what do you think of that, Rosie? I'm, yeah, I totally agree. Like, it's so easy to think of it black and white. Like they said, um, she's hurt by father. She hates father. She wants father to suffer. That's just yeah. not the way it happens, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, the truth is she wants a loving father. There's such a manipulation, especially when you're a child of that age, to be the whole grooming process to start at that age. Like Ugh. You're not going to hate your father because he's your father. Yeah, it's so unnatural. And I agree with this, too. I think it's so much different when it's a parent, like you're just saying. It's someone you naturally seek approval from, someone you naturally want to please. So when they hurt you in this way, it's it's hard to believe it's even happening and so confusing. So um, obviously it's not black and white. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion of Dr. Phil's tactics here, but... I think open and honest discussion is best, even if it hurts at the time. And Mm -hmm. this is Dr. Phil's process for making her realize she's not to blame in any way. And not that she should feel like damaged goods, but that she should feel that she's, she should not feel ashamed of it, you know, or feel any blame. And he's also not saying that she should always feel like a victim. It's, helping her realize she wasn't responsible, not that she can't move on and become a survivor and even move past that. Just like, you know, everyone has their own journey. But this whole thing just makes me really appreciate the fact that I have parents that never did anything like this to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I have my gripes with my parents. We all do. And I'm really not on good terms with my dad right now, but this kind of story really puts things in perspective for me and it inspires me not to give up on trying to work things out with him because at least he never did anything like this to me or my sisters. And as sad as hor- and horrifying as these stories can be to talk about, at least they can help us to appreciate the good things we have in life. From the time she was six, she endured 19 years of rape and abuse, which led to three children. She's had some of the most traumatic experiences a person can have, but now she is speaking out to help others who are dealing with sexual abuse and violence, even though it's extremely difficult for her. And that's truly amazing. I mean, no doubt it's extremely difficult for all survivors to share their voice, but it's visibly difficult for Tatiana, and that shows her humanity and makes me appreciate her even more. Which leads us to the review portion of our show. So, Rosie, do you want to start with our first review? Sure. (laughs) It's called The Cats, LOL. (laughs) And it's five stars. Let me just start with, I love hearing about the cats, LOL. I'm always that listener still there. (laughs) I just started binging this series like two weeks ago, so I'm not into the 2019 episodes yet, but I enjoy it. Ryan and Rosie are a little monotoned and can, and can tell it's a bit low budget, but that's why I like it. I like that I always have the same feelings they express. They make me laugh sometimes because of their stupidity, <laughs> as in they are intelligent, but they say stupid stuff that makes me laugh. <laughs> and the cats, lol, love it. I have cats myself and I rescue them when possible, so I love that they have a deep love for those felines. Keep up the good work. She's right, it is low budget. 
But <laughs> thank is. you, Michaela. We really appreciate that. And thank you for reaching out on Instagram as well. We really appreciate your kind words. And we're glad you appreciate our unpolished delivery and and that you realize that we are somewhat intelligent, even though we say <laughs> stupid stuff. <laughs> we have been getting a decent amount of comments lately about how we could be more professional and that we should have taken broadcasting lessons. And I appreciate the respectful delivery. Wait, someone of, said broadcasting lessons? Yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> um, the Jesus TV people or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, re I appreciate the respectful delivery of those suggestions, but I honestly prefer a more human, unpolished delivery with respect you know we're not trying to be the traditional news media the sensationalized perfectly polished people you know if that's what you want there are plenty of podcasts that replicate that plus there's the traditional media but we're just two real people sharing our thoughts on these stories and trying to raise awareness of something that's important to us uh, it's just like I feel more of a connection to Tatiana because I see her human side in her struggle and her nervousness on Dr. Phil to be able to share her voice, or the way I feel a connection to Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy because we see his real human struggle to get better at what he does and do the right thing rather than someone who just always seems to be perfect, you know? We're, we are human beings, and we want you to be able to relate to our imperfections. We're human beings. Human beings. <laughs> so... No wonder she says we say stupid stuff. <laughs> so that leads us to our next review, and I'll read that. It's actually a three-star review, but hey, that's not a terrible rating, right? It comes <laughs> comes in from Cared Enough to Review from the USA, and it's entitled, Please Get Rid of Your Husband. His voice is intolerable, as are his contributions. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so thank you, Cared Enough to Review. I got a good laugh out of that. I know your feelings were hurt a little bit. She gave us two reviews. How do you know it's a girl? I don't. Do you, do you have the other review? No, but I could grab it. Yeah, find it. <laughs> Whoever this was gave us two three-star reviews within like two days. Like, can't you just like give us one and call it a day? <laughs> oh, well, I think they like you because... Uh, they just want me to leave. I know, but... <laughs> <laughs> are, are you upset? Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, if you like me... It, okay, I just gotta read Yeah, Rosie's review. pulling it up. Because the other one was even meaner, and I was really upset about it. And I was kind of like... Yeah, because they came back and felt compelled to leave a second review. And it was just... <laughs> oh, it says... Please get rid of your husband again. I feel like I'm back in eighth grade when the worst reader in class is reading, plus the mouth breather thing. Ugh. <laughs> That's what I, I, I have allergies and my nose is often stuffy, so... I just... I'm not going to get rid of my husband because that's the point of our podcast is a wife husband duo. Yeah. So if you don't like my husband, then you can go. Oh, <laughs> that was so sweet. Thanks. Thank you, Rosie. <laughs> yeah. No problem, bud. But hey, if you enjoy our show and you <laughs> haven't yet, please leave us a five-star review. And I'm curious. Let us know if you like our unpolished human approach to podcasting. And be sure to check out our Patreon to hear my latest Ryan Rambles about imposter syndrome versus willful ignorance. Um, in it, I just kind of discuss and process my personal struggles with imposter syndrome and self-doubt. Partially because of negative reviews we get, but more because of personal insecurities that just kind of manifest some days. Um, and just the balance between finding your inner voice and sticking to it, and also um, balancing that with applying respectful criticism. So it'll be interesting. That's at our $5 level, and it's available now. So, all right, Rosie, is that... Is that it? I think that's it. Again, that re those reviews really took me off. 
lady or man. I love how you're the one that got more upset I about was, it. I was like, what's the point of this? Like, just like, if you like me, then leave me a five-star review, but then say that mean stuff or something. I don't know. Well, at least they were three stars and not one star. Only two. The two thing. Like, two reviews? I just didn't know the same person could leave multiple reviews. I didn't either. So... People that like us, keep that in mind. You can leave more than one five-star review. The whole, like, <laughs> like get rid of your husband, though. It's just like, that's the point, is to be a husband and wife duo team. But on the bright side, it did fuel me to get me to make another Patreon Ryan Rambles episode. Okay. Really inspired me. So okay. thank you for the inspiration, cared enough to review. Now, um, before further ado, we're going to play a promotion... Or a promo, I guess, is what they call it for podcasts. For Kat Morris's uh, new podcast, she is actually the one that reached out to us a long time ago. Um, she was writing for Minds of Madness, and she she actually helped us get our promo on Minds of Madness, which was incredibly helpful for us. I mean, there's no way to quantify how much it's helped our show, but we really appreciate that because she enjoyed our show enough to want to promote it in any way she could and so now we're gonna play her promo for a new podcast that's coming out soon so um thank you again for uh listening and giving us your time and here's the promo The investigation into the high school massacre is... Parkland High School massacre. At least 14 dead, 50 injured. 13 people were killed today in a mass shooting that includes a suspected gunman. Coming soon, Active Shooter, a podcast that studies the psychology, motives, and methods behind some of the most notorious active shooters in North America and beyond. East Alameda Avenue. They're saying somebody's shooting in the auditorium. We will discuss the whys, the hows, and most importantly, the proposed solutions. Can the proper mix of mental health services and gun access put a stop to what has now become an accepted everyday occurrence? Have we become desensitized and accepting of this new phenomenon? Join us as we break down each case and discuss the failures that led to each event and how we can identify and stop them in the future. Join us soon, and please subscribe to Active Shooter 